We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Stephen. I am the host, as always. Uh, joining me today is a very special guest, Mr. Matthew Collar, who uh, is a fellow Blue Wire podcast host. He covers the Vikings over at Purple Insider. Um, he's also a, a an author, which uh, has a new book coming out as well, is my understanding. So, uh, Matthew, how's it going, man? Thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks for that. Uh, it's going all right. I mean, how, did you expect playoff atmosphere football and not in a good way uh, for both teams? <laughs> I mean, in late September, I, I guess uh, I didn't. I thought the Vikings would at least beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I thought the Chargers might be 2-0, and even though not easy games to start. But when I looked at this thing, I thought, oh, that Chargers-Vikings game, that could be a couple of teams looking to try to, you know, sort of merge forward here. And instead, they're both trying to save their seasons. And I don't know, Stephen, have you heard any of the uh, 0-2, 0-3 stats brought up by anyone this week? Only <laughs> everyone the entire yeah. week. So, uh, you know, but the facts are the facts. Whoever loses this game is in some serious trouble. Yeah, it, it really is the facts. We talked about the 0-3 thing on our show uh, tonight, actually. You guys will be listening to this on Friday, but... Oh, and three, it's, it's a big problem. And, you know, I, I don't know what the expectations were for the Vikings, but, you know, internally, at least for the chargers, they were expecting to uh, be competing for the playoffs and, and potentially making a deep playoff run. So let's start with there for the Vikings. I think from an outsider's perspective, you see a lot of the changes on defense, you know, you see a lot of, you know, uncertainty around Kirk cousins, what was the vibe heading into training camp for this team coming off of that playoff loss to the Giants? Yeah, it's so interesting because when you compare the Chargers and, and Vikings situations, I mean, to me, the Chargers were a team that 
every year I feel like I pick the Chargers to go to the Super Bowl because I'm like, one of these years they're going to make me right. <laughs> they haven't so far, and I, I probably did it again this year. But I really, I mean, I really thought like, wow, this is a this is a winner go home type of year for Brandon Staley and for the Chargers. It is not that way for the Vikings. That was really last year where they went out and got Zedarius Smith. They brought back Patrick Peterson. I mean, these are older players that were in kind of had their last legs going for them, and they squeezed every bit of blood out of that stone with that roster, but eventually the shortcomings of that roster were shown in the playoffs against the New York Giants, specifically on the defensive side. So this offseason, they really went full competitive rebuild as it was labeled by Quasi Adolfo Mensa when he arrived, which is you still have a veteran quarterback who's very good and you still have the greatest receiver on earth and a bunch of good weapons and TJ Hawkinson and two great offensive tackles. But then you go to the defensive side and it's like, well, uh, Daniel Hunter is back. So there's the competitive part. And they signed Byron Murphy, who's a good player for them. But there is a lot of turnover. They've got an undrafted free agent starting a linebacker, uh, second year cornerback, uh, rookie cornerback, guys you know who don't have a whole lot of experience that are playing quite a bit here on the defensive side. And, you know, a running game that hasn't worked out so far, but they move on from Delvin Cook to an inexperienced running back in Alexander Madison, who had never been a starter before had only spelled Delvin Cook. And I think that they wanted to find out what was there for the future in a lot of parts of this roster. But also, when you have Justin Jefferson, you cannot not compete for the playoffs, right? You can't just say, ah, well, let's just tank and throw out a year of someone who's going to make you you good. And, and there's probably another world where a different general manager maybe trades away Kirk Cousins or something, but I think that would have been a little too bold for the ownership of this team after winning 13 games. So they want to return to the playoffs. But I also think there's probably something uh, deep in Kwesi Adafo Mensa, the Vikings GM's heart that says, you know, if we went six and 11 and just so happened to be in a great position to trade up for Drake May, what a shame that would be. I mean, they, <laughs> I think that they live in the reality that they're not a Super Bowl contender. They should be in the playoffs with their talent, but they also are looking toward 2024 who they're going to draft to replace Kirk Cousins potentially, and and beyond that, how they're going to use the cap space that he will leave and try to rebuild their team, kind of, and that is really, really, truly to the sense of the word, competitive rebuild. Which I think when they go zero and two, a lot of fans went like, oh. He meant it, <laughs> you know, it's like they come in and say, oh, all right, we should be back, you know, competing for the NFC North. And then they see all the shortcomings and say, oh, it really was that. Um, and so now they're kind of scrambling a little bit, adding some players like Cam Akers, like, uh, uh, you know, Dalton Reisner, who, you know, were kind of out there and available and they're hoping that they're going to save them in some ways. But I, I still think they're going to live in that middling reality and then try to get a quarterback next year. And that's really the expectation of the fan base. When you let all those players go, I don't know who thought, Oh, you'll actually be better now that Dean Lowry is playing instead of Delvin Tomlinson. Like I, I, I don't think that anybody thought they were going to be better. So Owen three might actually have half the fan base saying, you know, that's all right. I've been watching college football on Saturdays and there's a few good quarterbacks. Uh, so it's kind of a weird place to be, man. Yeah. I, I guess I didn't know what to expect of like the Kirk Cousins dynamic heading into this season. You know, I, of course, I saw a lot of people maybe connecting the dots between, you know, Kyle Shanahan and, and Kirk Cousins, maybe reuniting and all that stuff. But this was a playoff team like they, they arguably should have won that playoff game. 
it sounds like you are kind of expecting them to move on from Kirk Cousins, but what, hypothetically speaking, what would have to happen for them to re-sign Kirk at this point and kind of do the whole thing again next year? Yeah, that's, I mean, a really fascinating question that's being asked here all the time going into the season, especially it's like, what number of wins would do it? Would it be 12? Would it be divisional round win? I mean, if you win a wild card game in a strange way and then get pummeled the next week, like what happened in 2019, would that do it? Probably not. Right. Does 5,000 yards passing do it? Because that's on the way, buddy. I mean, they cannot run the ball and (laughs) Justin Jefferson is going to break every record alive. If uh, it keeps going this way. So, uh, and, uh, Hey, I saw on Twitter that Kirk is, uh, on pace for 6,000 yards passing. So I'm sure that's going to happen. Our base guy is back already with a vengeance. Uh, yeah, you got to love it. You got to love that. But I was actually laughing because I was like, maybe, <laughs> maybe <laughs> the way this offense has looked and the fact that the defense can't really hold anything down. I mean, they're going to be chasing from behind and throwing the football like crazy all year long. Uh, but I don't know how much that fundamentally changes from the Viking side, because now when you look at quarterback contracts, $40 million is not enough for Kirk Cousins because he's going to say, uh, excuse me, Daniel Jones made $40 million and I just threw for whatever it's going to be. It's going to be a lot. So I just ha- I had this huge year. I won 13 games last year. Pay me, yo. And if you're the Vikings and you're saying Justin Jefferson is going to be a $30 million player, Christian Derrissaw is going to be a $25 million player. I mean, how are you going to manage all of this? Brian O'Neill is highly paid their right tackle. TJ Hawkinson is one of the highest paid tight ends in the league. Where, where does this money come from and allow you to rebuild the defense, which has always been the fundamental Kirk issue. He has been a good quarterback. Nobody disputes that he's actually been, in my opinion, better by maybe a lot than I even expected looking at what he did in 2017 in Washington. And yet if you have to spend that much money on him and he has limitations, can you build the rest of the roster? So there's a lot of people who are like, how are you going to get a better quarterback? And if the game was who has the better quarterback, that's fine. But the game is 53 players and a yeah. salary cap and a complete roster that has to try to take you to the Super Bowl. So I think that this has been part of the plan since Quasi Adafo Mensa arrived. I also think from Kirk's perspective, if he has a great season, and the Vikings say, hey, what about a nice little two-year deal for $40 million or something? He's going to say, no, someone else will pay me more than that. 100%. I-, I promise you there's going to be a desperate team who cannot wait to bring him in, just like there was for Derek Carr, just like there was for Aaron Rodgers, who didn't play that well last year in Green Bay. How about Atlanta? If Atlanta puts Kirk Cousins on that team next year, are they – with all their weapons, a Super Bowl contender, like maybe. So there's always going to be a team, and he knows that. And it's been actually really impressive how Kirk Cousins compartmentalizes this stuff. He's just gone out there and played football. It is no different. The vibes aren't different. In fact, he seems more loose than he's been. So it's it's really interesting where it's like everybody kind of knows the deal, and it's possible it could change. It did for Joe Flacco in 2012 when the Ravens did the same thing and then he won the Super Bowl. But I think the bar is extremely, extremely high unless Justin Jefferson says I can't live without Kirk Cousins, which I I don't know if that's going to happen. Hey, what's up, everybody? want to take a quick second to talk to you about our sponsor, Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. 
we are the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you simply have to pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Tyler and I have had a ton of fun using the app. It's super easy to use. You simply pick your favorite players that you think are going to have a big week, i.e. Keenan Allen against the Tennessee Titans in week two. Or maybe it's a bad week, i.e. Kirk Cousins against the Philadelphia Eagles. You make those selections. You pick more than or less than on those statistics. Again, two to six player stat projections. And you can simply watch the money roll in. Price Picks also offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday during the NBA season, if that's more of your jam. And again, you can use Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits as well. Super user-friendly. We've loved using the app, and we cannot recommend them enough. Uh, simply go to prizepicks.com guilty and use the code guilty for a first deposit match up to $100. Thanks for supporting the show. Bolt up. Hey, what's up, Chargers fans? Make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before NFL games, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before Chargers kickoff. (laughs) Yeah, Justin Jefferson feels like a... uh, what do you want this offseason and let's make it happen kind of guy. So um, I want to touch on the other very interesting dynamic this offseason for the Vikings, which has been Brian Flores. I think going from Tom Donatel to Brian Flores is about as drastic as a change that you could go to. Um, what's been the early returns from Brian Flores? The numbers are super interesting. The things that he's doing are, are kind of crazy, but you mentioned the roster is not in great shape, but like from a from your perspective, what what's the Brian Flores influence been so far? Yeah, I mean, you said it with the roster is not great. I mean, when you saw it the other night against Philadelphia, where you had to choose between would you like to get roasted by two of the best wide receivers in the NFL and a great tight end, or would you like to have them put in two tight ends and push everybody eight yards down the field at a time? And I think that they were a little defensive about their plan, which was to try to force them to run and run and run and not give up big plays through the pass. Unfortunately, they also gave up big plays in the air as well and got run over and steamrolled. So it is, it is interesting. It's different than anything I've seen before after covering Mike Zimmer and then Donatelle uh, that, I mean, Flores is blitzing about every other play, but then he'll also drop eight a good number of times. And you saw Jalen hurts surprised by this because he's trying to show a lot of people standing up in a lot of different places. You don't know who's coming. You don't know who's dropping back. So there were a few times where Jalen hurts dropped back and went like, Oh, what am I looking at? Like, where did this come from? I was ready for a blitz. I checked to a hot route or something. And instead I'm looking at all my areas, you know, covered. And there was a few coverage sacks in that game. So I think Flores is a real mastermind of mixing up those looks and not becoming predictable. And who's, who's coming. Is it the linebackers? Is it the safeties? Do they have four safeties on the field? Do they like all those things? However, I have always believed that it is the Jimmy's and Joe's and not the X's and O's. And I think we really saw that against Philadelphia. I mean, you have young corners, you have, 
a couple of linebackers who are undersized that got pushed around. You have a defensive line that's just not good. I mean, it's it just isn't. Daniil Hunter is an all-world player, but aside from him, if Marcus Davenport isn't playing, which it looks like he might not be, he hasn't practiced either of the first two days uh, of practice this week, now you're talking about replacement level type players at the edge position, which is really important in Flores' defense. So I, I think that every team who comes in uh, needs to kind of beware that Flores is going to throw all these different looks at you and is going to try to create a turnover or something. I think he knows that he's got to create a turnover to, to survive and to win a game. But I also think if teams just stick with what Philadelphia did and dare the Vikings to stop them with big people, they have no big people that they just don't. I mean, Jonathan Bullard, Harrison Phillips is a solid player. Kyrus Tonga. Like these are people that your audience hasn't heard of. And for a reason, because they're not really a lot of like quality NFL starters. So if other teams are able to say, we're going to keep pounding that football, they're going to succeed in doing it. It was really old school to see the Eagles. I know everyone's not the Eagles, but I don't even think it takes a great offensive line to do that against this Vikings team. Yeah, you mentioned the the big people. Like when I heard that Ivan Pace was the starting linebacker, I was kind of shocked, not just because he's an undrafted free agent. I thought he should have been drafted, but like complete opposite of of a Brian Flores stereotype. You know, he's traditionally had big, strong linebackers, obviously being a Bill Belichick type. So um he's it sounds like he's kind of like the standout rookie on defense. Uh what have you made from him so far this year? Yeah, I think so. Big is not a thing, but strong is for (laughs) Ivan Pace. That's that's where you really see it show up, where I think even he fools other people where uh, you'll see a running back step up to stop him on a blitz. And he packs way more of a punch than that running back expected based on his size. I mean, he is a I call them Sonic the Hedgehog like he just is super powerful when it comes to finding ways to, I don't know, create leverage, his raw strength. I don't know what it is for a guy that small to be able to do it, but it's not like he weighs nothing. He weighs like 230 pounds at five foot nine, which is kind of a, you know, kind of a fire hydrant a little bit. And he's very fast and he's very violent. I mean, he has no regard for human life, which I think is really helpful for him. And when guards go out to block him, I, they they kind of get hit in a place they're not used to. I mean, normally they're kind of leaning over a little bit on a linebacker or face-to-face on a tall linebacker, but he gets up underneath their pads and can at least stop them in place a little bit. But the problem is he's facing a lot of guards who are already coming downhill off of double teams mm-hmm. when they've already pushed Dean Lowry out of the way. And I think that's a huge, difficult challenge for any linebacker. We've seen Jordan Hicks, who is a solid player, getting thrown by tackles and stuff because they're just succeeding so early in the blocks and then getting to the second level. But I think he's got everything you could ask for for a linebacker. And I think uh, if the league was redrafting already, they would definitely take him. I was just talking to his inside linebackers coach the other day. And I was like, how do you describe it? Like his game. He basically said he's just one of the most natural football players that he's been around. I mean, he just understands the game and plays with a natural feel that it, that you know makes an impact. And, and sometimes it comes down to that. But I also think if you're the Chargers, you're not really terrified of him. I mean, you got to identify him for blitzes, but you can throw it over his head. You can get offensive linemen up to the next level on him. You can run Lorenzo Neal through there and block him out of the way. Maybe <laughs> if you if you throw a I fullback wish. into the mix. Yeah. 
Hey, hey, Lorenzo is one of the greats. He's one of my favorites. So, I, I mean, I think that that's the fundamental challenge of the Vikings defense. Can you not get completely destroyed in the trenches and let someone like Ivan Pace make plays? Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, let's shift gears from the undrafted free agent rookie to the first round rookie who I would say probably has lived up to your expectations. Um in terms of Jordan Addison being the fourth receiver taken, what was kind of your expectation heading into his rookie season and how has he kind of measured up so far? Yeah, I think the uh, NFL overthought a lot of stuff with those wide receivers. And I, I don't know uh, everything about how Quentin Johnston's played so far. I only saw camp highlights and such, and I know his numbers aren't big, but I think he's going to be a good player. Zay Flowers, instant star, Jordan Addison, instant quality player, if not, emerging star. Uh, I mean, I think that the NFL focused way too much on what these guys weren't as opposed to what they could be. And if you get a solid number two receiver like Jordan Addison, that's worth a lot. I mean, teams pay $20 million for that. And uh, I mean, the thing is that he's 170 pounds. So like Ivan Pace, they're going to focus on that. And there's not a lot of 170 pound great receivers, but his route running, his quickness, his ball tracking, they all remind me of Stefan Diggs. I mean, this guy is just open all the time. And if you watch his long touchdown the other night against Philly, one thing he did that was very subtle is he's running a post route, but he he leaned as if he was going a corner route. And it just caused enough hesitation within the cornerback, so he broke it off onto, onto the post and had enough separation to make the play. He is so light on his feet. He's so lightning quick with his feet that little things like that, they don't take much effort for him. And he creates separation really well and is just an A-plus when it comes to tracking the football. In training camp, every day the guy was making great catches. So, I I mean, I think the Vikings, who have the best wide receiver history in the entire NFL ever, and they just got another one. It's like, I don't know how this happens, but he looks to me like he's going to be a serious player for them for a long time. He's not Jefferson. He's not the next Tyree kill. Like he doesn't have the super insane upside, but I think that he is going to be a significant player as long as there are no health issues. And you do worry about that with someone that's his size. Yeah. Yeah. The, the wide receiver discourse was, was, really interesting to me like the fact that all these guys went in the 20s is kind of crazy looking at back at how this draft has played out so far um charger fans want to see more of quentin johnston and rightfully so but he's he's kind of stuck in a in a competition for for targets behind keenan allen and mike williams and austin eckler and joe driver like it's it there's a lot of uh targets out here in la so um we'll see i, I think quentin johnston's gonna be fine but i, I think jordan addison's a good player as well um, all right, last question here. I think we both agree that neither of these defenses can stop anybody. Uh, so what kind of what kind of expectations do you have for for just uh, kind of score output and quarterback play this week? I think that uh, John Jefferson and Wes Chandler are going to go out there and uh, light up the Vikings. Uh, <laughs> I mean, or at least that's what Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are going to look like uh, with Dan Fouts throwing on the ball. I mean, the, truly, I, I, what one thing that impresses me about Justin Herbert, and I, I don't want to say I've been critical of Justin Herbert because I don't like pay that much attention to be uh, critical of him, but I've kind of thought like he doesn't terrify you in the same way of Mahomes would or even Joe Burrow or Josh Allen because he is a little more safe of a quarterback, but that actually might benefit him in a game like this where it's going to be very important not to turn the ball over and the Vikings probably will turn the ball over because that's been the trend. Uh, but I honestly think that it will come down to 
whether the Chargers are willing to keep running the ball without Austin Eckler or without him at 100%. If he's playing, he's probably not going to be at 100%. So are they going to be able to stick with that? Because that is a key against this Vikings defense. And I know they're working on it all week or whatever, but you can run against this team. I don't. I think that that is very clear. So are you going to be able to stick with that? Or is Kellen Moore going to get a little anxious? You know, you have one run that goes for two yards. You go, ah, we better back off and pass. But if you're in those pass-only type of situations, Brian Flores can wreak a lot of havoc. So how do you manage the sound, the noise at U.S. Bank Stadium? I think that's pretty tough. You know, how can you get a deep shot or two off against a team that's blitzing all the time? How can you identify all the different things that they're doing? Because personnel-wise, the Chargers have an advantage there. Uh, and on the Viking side, just, uh, I, I mean... God bless anyone who tries to stop Justin Jefferson and best of luck to them. I haven't seen too many people do it. And I certainly don't know if a team that's given up, you know, what, what was Ryan Tannehill 24 for 27 or something? Uh, I think it's going to be a rough ride. So I'm, I am very curious though, what Brandon Staley comes up with, because this is a kitchen sink game. I believe in kitchen sink games where the coaches go into the office and they say, Everything we got, everything in the shed, let's take it all out and throw it at the Minnesota Vikings. So I am very, very intrigued by this matchup and just the general desperation of both teams. But if if you're picking how you think it's going to go at 38, 35, somebody, I don't yeah. know who doinks a field goal at the end, right? Is <laughs> Nate Kading going to run out or John Carney and shank a oh field goal? <laughs> I don't know. Don't You can't put that out on us, man. <laughs> Well, well, the Vikings would never miss a key field goal. What are you talking about? That, that never happens. It never happens. I, I, I swear, I feel like these two teams are, it's like the NFC and AFC counterpart. They're cousins, basically. Um, should be a lot of fun. Matthew, appreciate you so much for jumping on the show. Um, have to give a quick shout out to Daniel Popper as well, who was on Matthew's show earlier this week. Had some great insight into that matchup uh, with Matthew, too, over on the Purple Insider podcast. Uh, Matt, thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate it. We'll uh, touch base soon, I'm sure. Uh, wish you nothing but the best the rest of the way. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. 